Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. This is a Dear Daisy episode. These are our listener-submitted stories. Um, you can always go and submit your own story. We want to hear everything creepy, spooky, scary, true crime related that you have to tell Daisy. Um, you can submit that at the link in the episode notes or at the link in our bio on social medias. All right. Let's do it. Is it weird for you to not do a 10 seconds? Nah. Is it like a breath fresher? Is it like I get a break? Get a little break. I'm glad. I'm glad for you. Daisy's here with us, ready to listen. This one is titled, The Unsolved Murder of My Grandfather, Which Ultimately Killed My Grandmother. Oof. It says, hey guys, my name is Corey. And first off, I just want to say I love the podcast and how Peyton tells the stories with Garrett's reactions. It's such a great dynamic. The mix of Daisy brings a smile watching her moving around from one minute to completely down for the next. Unfortunately, the following story is still unsolved in the eyes of the police. Due to this, there is some information we do not know of because police don't want to put the case in jeopardy. The following story still haunts my family, especially my father, who as of 2023 is the current owner of their home in Michigan. Due to the circumstances, we blame this man for both the deaths of my grandparents. My grandfather, Roy O. LaFray Sr. and grandmother, Phyllis LaFray, were married for 64 years and raised my father and his five brothers in Michigan. My grandfather was a hard, old-school man who served in World War II. He was a hardworking man who retired from his plumbing career at the age of 85. With neighbors stretched out down Midland Road, everyone tended to keep to themselves in a fairly quiet neighborhood. As the years moved on, my uncles and my father moved out and on with their own lives. And as my grandparents got older, the neighbors would start to come around more often and check in with them since at this time, Roy was 88 and Phyllis was 84. My grandfather, being the friendly guy he was, would always enjoy a good conversation with his neighbors and would never turn away a friendly chat. A few of their kids stayed in the Saginaw Township area, or at least a 30-minute drive at most, and would check in regularly on both to make sure they were doing okay or to cook a meal for them and share some family time. With age came complications and both of their health began to deteriorate as my grandmother Phyllis would be diagnosed with dementia and my grandfather Roy walked around with a cane. As Phyllis's mental health began to get worse, she would become exhausted and would take regular naps throughout the day. Roy, being the loving man that he was, did not want to bother her, so he would go and watch TV out in the garage with the garage door up for anyone who wished to join him which is just so darling. Unfortunately, his willingness to have a conversation and trust strangers would ultimately lead to the following case. On June 24, 2009, as Phyllis was taking her normal afternoon nap, Roy made his way out to the garage to watch baseball. A new face would enter the garage that was unknown. The neighbor right cat a corner to his house said this. This neighbor reported they were unfamiliar with the person who then sat next to Roy, but after 15 minutes of normal conversation, they believed Roy knew the person and the neighbor went on with their regular housework. A little less than an hour later, the neighbor heard Roy's 1996 Oldsmobile Cutlass leaving the garage, closing the door behind them. The neighbor did not see the person behind the wheel, but they assumed Roy had left to the grocery store or something. A short time later, my uncle Roy LaFray Jr. arrived at his parents' home for a check-in. As Roy entered the house, he found his mother still taking her nap and proceeded to look for his father. Upon entering the garage, 
Roy found blood on the concrete floor and assumed his father accidentally hurt himself and drove himself to the hospital. Got it. My uncle at this time called 911 to report there was an incident and woke his mother from her nap. A search had begun for an elderly person in need, and the family began to gather to assist in locating their father. Police were able to locate the Oldsmobile roughly a mile away, abandoned in a field in the 7700 block of McCarty Road. After an initial search of the field, nobody was found nearby. The police began to search the car for any clues as to where Grandpa Roy had gone, and unfortunately, police did not have to search long. After opening the trunk to the car, there laid Roy's body, which had been bludgeoned in the head multiple oh. times by a blunt object. In the trunk? Yep. Okay. My Uncle Roy and Uncle Holy. Brian were both questioned as suspects because they lived in close proximity and would be the ones who would normally check in on my grandfather, but were quickly cleared of everything. Police had a name that came up as a possible suspect, but never ended up releasing it. Due to his previous criminal background and drug use, he became the number one suspect in police eyes. Okay. From what was gathered from witnesses and info given by the crime scene, the murder came off as a crime of opportunity. Due to my grandfather's health, he was unable to walk at a fast pace, let alone run. The Ugh. culprit stole my grandfather's watch, his wedding band, a 50-year wedding anniversary ring with three diamonds, and a money clip with less than $100 in cash. So it seemed like it was, was a robbery. Yes. That turned into a murder, obviously. Which is just 85. Yeah. My grandfather was murdered for what we believe was supposed to be drug money. Mm. After brutally attacking my grandfather and robbing him, the culprit then put his body into the trunk of the car and took off, later abandoning the vehicle in the field. This person of interest was seen in the area during the reported incident, as well as his vehicle near the field in which Roy's body and car was found. He drove a dark green black car, which was spotted in the area at the time. Unfortunately, this man was not brought in for questioning in time, and police found his car abandoned at the Canadian border. Oh, wow. To this day, the murderer has not been brought in for his crimes 15 years later, and there has not been an update since 2010 as wow. this case fell cold. We still hold on to hope one day he's brought to justice as we believe he killed both grandparents. Roy had taken care of Phyllis for years since her diagnosis and continued to love her as her memory began to disappear. While she would forget what she was doing hours before, she never forgot Roy's love for her. At first, we were able to tell her that Roy was in the hospital for health reasons to avoid telling her the gruesome truth. Oh, that's sad. Ultimately, the family informed Phyllis that Roy had passed away from said health reasons. We felt the pain and hurt knowing her best friend, husband, and loving father passing away was the only information she retained, and her body just shut down on her. Oh. Phyllis would die four months after Roy due to congestive heart and kidney failure. I feel like this happens sometimes where those who have been married for a long time um, when their significant other dies, they end up dying like a few months later. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot. Not saying it's a good thing, but it's almost like it's it's weird. Some like meant to be like heartbreak. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As I stated, my father has since taken over his parents' home and continues to take care of it, keeping their memories close and a piece of his childhood in our LaFray family. However, anytime I visit, I find it difficult to be in the garage as I can almost imagine the crime scene. This horror could have been avoided. An 88-year-old man should not have died in such a brutal way for such a small amount of yeah. cash. This case is still ongoing, and if anyone has any information, please reach out to the Saginaw Township Police and finally bring this cold-blooded murderer to justice. Justice for Roy and justice for Phyllis. They both will be missed. Love, your LaFray family. 
What I, a great way to honor. And I have so many questions. Like, is the guy they thought did it? Is he gone? Is he in Mexico? Is he in Canada? Like, where? I'm going to assume Canada, and now they've just lost track. And they've lost track of him, so they just stopped. Like, it's interesting how many, gosh, there's just so many cases that are just unsolved. Yeah. So many. It's devastating. It's sad. It's, I mean, there, there's lots of different reasons, but so many unsolved cases. It's insane. Thank you, Corey, for being vulnerable and for sharing that story. And again, if anyone knows anything, please reach out. The next one is titled The Man in the Closet, and it's submitted by Anonymous. Ooh, okay. Hi, Peyton and Garrett. First of all, I love the podcast. You have such a great dynamic, and I really appreciate the way you respect and honor victims in each of your cases. When I heard about Dear Daisy, I immediately knew I had the perfect story for you guys. This story has haunted me since I was a kid, and I really hope it makes it onto the pod because I think it's totally freaky. Interestingly enough, this didn't actually happen to me. It happened to my mom. In 1985, back when my mom was in college, we are actually celebrating her 60th birthday this summer, by the way, she lived in a house with a few of her friends and roommates. It was senior week and most of her friends had finished up their work and were off partying the night away. My mom had just returned home from the library where she had been studying all night. She makes dinner, talks to her boyfriend on the phone, my future dad, and then she decides to go to bed. All of a sudden, she hears a rustling noise. At first, she thinks it's the cat her and her roommates had been feeding, so she ignored it and tries to fall asleep. She hears the rustling a few more times and then hears her roommate, who was just returning home, open the front door. So she turns on the lamp next to her and sees a hand sticking out of her closet. She immediately jumps up and yells, who's in my closet? It seems to her, as she later describes to police, that a man over six feet tall with a long beard has emerged from her closet and looks to be holding a rolled up piece of paper. Wait, like an actual person? Was in her, as she was falling asleep, was in her closet. So the police came? Yes. What? She and her roommate start screaming so loud that it frightens the intruder as well because he starts screaming too. The man then runs past my mom, who is blocking the doorway because her room is so tiny, out the back door as my mom and her roommate, who's only wearing her underwear, run out the front door. They run down the block screaming, and once they feel like they are far enough away from the house, they call the police. While investigating, the police find a broken leg of a chair in my mom's room what she had originally thought was a piece of paper for some reason, as well as another broken chair leg propping open her roommate's window. This is presumably how he got into the house as there was also a ladder what outside the, the window. Freak. When the police later questioned the neighbors about hearing any screaming, they responded, there's always screaming coming from over there. Hmm. There was jewelry and a $50 bill on the dresser next to my mom, never touched. So she always wondered what his motives were since her valuables had not been messed with. Well, also, he got scared. Yeah. And ran. So was was he like on drugs and just somehow ended up in? Well, I don't know because he propped he all the stuff. And he had a weapon, essentially. I mean, a broken chair leg. Oh, okay. That's a little weird. I it's safe to assume that his intention was to hurt my mom with the broken leg of a chair he was holding. She is, and we all are, so grateful that her roommate returned home when Crazy. she did. My mom is a fantastic storyteller, and she almost makes this terrifying experience sound funny. It was just so ridiculous. However, especially with the recent rise in stories about murdered college students, this story sends chills down my spine. What if her roommate hadn't returned home for a few more minutes? Yeah. What if he had decided to act on whatever it was he was planning a little bit sooner? There's no doubt in my mind and in my family's mind that this was an extremely close call. 
So that's the story. Again, I really hope this makes it onto the podcast. It would be a great birthday present to my mom, Robin, who also loves your show. Thanks for making our Mondays a little bit better. It's crazy how many people like have these stories. I would go through these types of things. Never recover if there was a man in my closet while I was trying to fall asleep. No, Peyton wouldn't recover. I wouldn't recover. I'd have to do something I don't want to do. It's just so bad. It would just be a mess. I'll do it if I have to, but don't do it. This next one is titled The Devil in Salt Lake City. The Devil in Salt Lake City. How ironic. Dear Daisy, my name is Bailey and I have a story that may interest you and my fellow MWMH fans. I think the story should be started with a trigger warning for sexual assault and pedophilia. I was born in Delta, Utah. Bailey, interesting enough, Garrett and I have been to Delta. We have, which is such a random place in Utah, too. It's so random, Um, along with innumerable other family members. It is Mormon country, after all, and families tend to propagate out there. It's a quaint town, still largely untouched by modernity, that many residents happily never leave. My father's side of the family comes from and still lives in the area. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, my dad was 16 or 17 in high school. He was riding the bus one day when his 13-year-old neighbor confided in him that Douglas Bishop had invited him and only him up to a remote mountain to hang out. Doug was a classmate around my dad's age at that time, 16 or 17, and he was a big guy. So this is a 13-year-old saying one of his one of her dad's classmates who's 16 or 17 had invited him to hang out on a mountain. He came from a prominent well-to-do farming family with nine children. Cool guy Doug even cruised around town in his very own Corvette, which was a big deal at the time. Maybe this still is. My father's immediate question to his friend was, please tell me you didn't go with Doug. Although the Bishop family promoted themselves as model church-going citizens, everyone in their small town shared the whispered impression that some of the Bishop family members, including Doug, were a bit creepy. Okay. There were plenty of anecdotes circulating the town to corroborate this. My father made sure to steer clear of them for this reason. No, of course I didn't go. I had a really bad feeling about it. I don't even know him that well, and why would he want to hang out with me anyway? The guy is a creep. His young friend said this with shifty eyes and a nervous laugh. My father wasn't convinced, but he dropped the subject because that's just not something that people really talked about back then. Fast forward to 1983. Doug was arrested for sexually molesting 26 boys ages 5 to 17 years old between 1976 and 1983. 26 boys? That is insane. He even pulled a Bundy and escaped from jail once, hijacking a car in the process. Surprisingly, that's not even the craziest part. Within three days of Doug being arrested, his older brother, Arthur Gary Bishop, was also arrested. Arthur was seven or eight years older than Doug, and he just so happens to be one of Utah's most prolific serial killers. What the freak is going on, man? He used his stature in the community, much like Gacy did, to molest countless young boys and brutally murder five boys ages four to 13 years old. Some sources say he molested individuals in his own family, too. I'm just going to say the Bishop family does not sound like a very happy family to be a part of. Between 1978 to 1983, he terrorized Utah under numerous pseudonyms, and the media dubbed him the Devil in Salt Lake City. Oh, my God. His taped confession was filled with giggles, mocking mimicry of his young victim's final words, and relief. He was glad they caught him because, quote, I do it again and again. One of the saddest parts is that many parents knew that he had molested children, but they didn't report it because of his outwardly respectable facade. 
There are many other disturbing details in this insane story, but I'll refrain from sharing because I think the Bishop family would make for an interesting MWMH episode. Wink, wink. This really makes me think about the degrees of separation that may or may not exist between normal humans and monstrous humans entirely devoid of any humanity. I'm a neuroscience researcher and find their neuroanatomical abnormalities and psychological disturbances very intriguing. Oftentimes, intuitive feelings realize things that science can't formulate or clarify yet. If you think someone is creepy, even if you hear it secondhand or can't put your finger on precisely why you feel that way, don't try to logically reason with yourself. Always trust that feeling. Peyton and Garrett, you always pay so much respect to these victims and stories. I love you three, including Daisy, so much. Thank you for filling my days with stories that need to be heard, remind us to trust our intuition, and can help us make safer decisions. Shout out to mom, dad, and my fiance, Quinn, who mm. sounds just like Garrett when I try to share these stories That's with funny. him. That 20, that's insane. It is such an interesting, like, okay. I just, I, that's insane. I actually don't know this story. I don't either. But it makes me wonder if older brother serial killer was molesting his younger brothers, which then they went on to become mm, molesters. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. There's you know what I mean? A like, lot of psychology and crap behind that. Because, yeah. Obviously. Because it kind of seems that way. If There's so many layers. Nine uh, kids in that family. That's a lot of kids, it, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. But when one of them starts, you know. And I guess as parents, you're like, well, my one son last week, he got he got arrested for mis assaulting 27 boys. And my son the next week, he got arrested for murdering five oh, boys. Oh, I think at that point you go, oh, I think. We might have. I think we got to figure this out. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Not blaming the parents no, at all. No, 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 no. I, I mean, just mean, what maybe, a what know. a weird and hard realization. Yeah, that's insane. Oh, man. Yeah, some of these stories are just uh, episode stories, whatever you want to call them, are crazy because so many people just have crazy experiences. I know. I mean, I don't want to have one of those experiences. So, I mean, I, I've, I've, had, I've had weird stuff happen to me, like when I think about it, but... I have a spooky story that I need to tell as a dear Daisy. I just am, we'll say that lucky enough as well that no one in my family, the very first story we did was ever murdered or anything like that because yeah. that's just, that's just a lot. It's a lot to unpack. And it actually breaks my heart tough. because I see all the comments of people saying my so-and-so was murdered. I my know. This, and it's that's just, what I was saying. So many people. It's just. What the freak? Yeah. It's going on. Can people just be normal? I just thought can about this the other normal? day. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. I know. Like, can we just not kill people? At yeah. All? Is it so hard to just be decent? Like, you don't even have to be normal, but can you just be decent? It's the only thing I'll ask. Just please Because, like, what is normalcy? People. I mean, we're weird. Everyone's weird. But yeah. just don't hurt other people. I don't understand it. All right, you guys. That is our Dear Daisy episode for this month. And we will see you next month with another one. Please, please, please submit your Dear Daisies. Don't forget. I love it. I hate it. Goodbye. <laughs>